0: Shields and Vortex Optics are giving away a Polaris Ranger XP-1000 valued at $17,000. The Shields Dream Ride Giveaway runs from July 26th to August 27th. Register now at Shields.com win.
1: The Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. My name is Mike Anderson and today we're going to be talking about long range shooting. So, shooting is uh, it has seen a great resurgence in the in the market today. There's a lot of people that are just getting into shooting or getting back into shooting and especially like long range is kind of a craze these days. So with me today is Craig Arnson of Area four nineteen. He's gonna he's gonna give us kind of a crash course in long range shooting and, you know, what it really means and some some tips to become more effective at it. So Craig, thank you for joining us. Yeah, today. absolutely.
1: Thanks for having me. I think to your point, long range is something that's it's blowing up. It's been, I don't know, eight, ten years since we had this period in time where a lot of things happened, kind of all together. Uh, you had Ruger roll out the Ruger Precision Rifle, and it was a thousand bucks and was a really capable rifle with a lot of cool features. That was about the time that Hornady decided to put 6.5 Creedmoor ammo on the shelf at a match grade at 24 bucks a box and vortex their PST gen one was about 1000 bucks and it had repeatable exposed turrets and good glass and a nice mill reticle that you could get something out of. And those things all happened also about the time the movie American sniper hit the, hit the box office and was mm-hmm. explosive in its success. All of those things happen right together, and suddenly somebody without an enormous investment could go pick up a rifle and an optic and a box of ammo off the shelf at a shields and go shoot a thousand yards. And without a huge barrier to entry on finance or knowledge, could start having a lot of fun at a range that they never thought was was possible before mm-hmm. uh, and it's really run wild in the in the decades since then and you know and in, in a little less than a decade but about that time and it's been really cool to watch you know i i know that at that time i was i was an enthusiast that just thought it was super cool you know i, I grew up on a farm around guns i i'd always had one in my hand and always enjoyed the idea of marksmanship but the idea of shooting past a hundred yards or two hundred yards that that wasn't a thing, right? Like I, that's so far. I, I couldn't shoot that far. I, my my rifles had iron sights on them. I didn't know how to do that. But then, when the idea of being able to pull a trigger and make, make that make that contact, make impact at not just a hundred or two hundred yards, but here's four hundred yards, six hundred yards, eight hundred yards, a thousand, and then being able to push out toward a mile. The technology was there, the market had made it attainable, and, you know, I, I got hooked big fast and in a hurry, and mm-hmm. now get to live the dream uh, doing what I do at Area 419, um, but Long Range has, in all its forms, changed the firearm marketplace, in the last handful of years and and i think it's pretty cool yeah
0: absolutely you know everyone gets excited about shooting longer distances and just being able to you know hear that ping of the target Mm -hmm. at that 500
1: 600
0: 700 yards shooting
1: steel is really really gratifying
0: oh yeah absolutely you know i i'm not a huge long range enthusiast but Mm -hmm. it like it really
1: interests me so i'm i'm excited to do this podcast you know i started people that get into long range there's a real level of nerd about us Uh you know the idea that you can solve the problem of what's going to happen downrange and then immediately check your work on steel that's pretty slick
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah i said you know i I started getting interested in long range shooting when i started applying for mule deer tags. okay so it was like i started out hunting Minnesota, like, you know, there's a lot of woods where I was at, you know. I'd be I'd be in the woods, my longest shot is sixty yards. Right. You know, I'd sit on a field edge my longest shot is maybe like two hundred. So like I'm using my dad's old 30-odd-six. Yeah, and the 30-odd-six inside 150
1: has taken the substantial majority of small game in North America. A
0: lot of deer shot with that caliber, and a lot of deer continue to be shot with that caliber. But, yeah, so I moved to North Dakota and uh, started applying for muley tags, and I finally drew in, like, year seven. So, and actually my my wife drew before me. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a little source of it. She had less points, drew earlier, but, you know, I made the best out of that situation because then I could go out with my bow and I could do scouting trips. There, for, yeah. there, and, then, there, yeah. and then it gave me a reason to buy a long-range rifle. Right. So, uh, you know, I ended up with a 6.5 Creedmoor and yep. started shooting longer and, you know, got myself comfortable out to decent distances. But, you know, still, like, my capability is nowhere near what the capability of, like, my rifle is. So, sure. you know, like, to to bring long-term or long long-range shooting into perspective, like, how do you define it?
1: So I, I think shooting long range can mean a lot of different things. Long range shooting with 22 long rifle is starting to become popular, but what's long range with a 22 is very obviously something different than what's long range with your 65 Creedmoor or a 33 Lapua or a 375 Shitak. I think something begins to be long range when the idea of drop, so so gravity over distance, or drift in the wind. Become very real factors when it comes to hitting your target. There's mm-hmm. there's basic fundamentals of marksmanship which matter if you've got a carbine at 25 yards or you're you're prone on a rifle shooting at a thousand. So there's there's basic marksmanship that's involved in all of it, but it starts in my opinion to be and there will be somebody in the comments section that's super mad about this. Uh, long range to me is when drag and drop start to be really meaningful parts of the equation so with a 22 that might start to happen at 100 yards or Mm -hmm. for certain centerfire rifles that might be four five six hundred yards or eight nine a thousand so it's all relative but at the point that you're solving problems for what's happening downrange, not simply on the gun to me that's long range
0: okay yeah that makes sense and uh, you know somebody that's not into long range at all and wants to get into it like what are the necessities?
1: You need an accurate rifle, uh, and accuracy is all very relative. You know, if you're going to want to go shoot benchrest, that's a different level of accuracy than if you're uh, simply trying to take, you know, medium range game, or if you are somebody trying to do varmint control on the farm, uh, but you need a, a rifle that is capable of the accuracy that you need, you are in nearly all long range situations, and there are iron sight purists out there, but you're gonna need an optic with either the ability to adjust on the turrets or a a reticle that gives you the ability to hold with some finite level, like a nice, you know, the classic is the mil dot reticle, but but Mm -hmm. some sort of measurable etched reticle. Um, And then you're going to need ammunition that is capable of the accuracy potential of, the, of that rifle and optic system. Mm-hmm. Once you have those things, then comes the really hard part. You're gonna to start to need to build knowledge. Uh, a, a really good resource for anybody that's watching or listening to this and thinks they're interested in shooting long range. Uh, Ryan Kleckner wrote a book and I think it's the long range handbook. It, when you look it up on Amazon, look up Ryan Kleckner long range and it's an orange book with a reticle on the front. Uh, I bought a couple and had them shipped to the office and then given them the guys in the shop that that want to learn about shooting long range We say read this, then come back and then we'll start to start to really work intensely. Uh, and it is a great book of here is here are the basics of long range. Here's the the idea of what happens when a bullet leaves and starts to travel distance. Here's here's what drop is here's how it works. And know your bullet doesn't actually rise out of the end of the barrel. Here's how to understand your your optical sight line with your bore line, you know, all all of those very rudimentary basics that give you the level of understanding that you need to go out and start to practically learn. Mm -hmm. It's a great resource. Uh, It's Ryan Kleckner, long range shooter fundamentals of long range or something along those lines. It's an orange book with a reticle on the front, You'll, you'll find it everywhere.
0: Okay, gotcha. Interesting. So I, I obviously haven't read that book anymore, or yet. Um, looking for a crash course. Yeah, so it's, it's an
1: easy read, uh, you know, a couple evenings or whatever. It might be uh, 100 pages or so, but it's it's not a terribly intense read. There are, if you want an intense read, Brian Litz is like the encyclopedia writer for mm-hmm. ballistics, and he's he's a fabulous guy. Um, but that book by Kleckner is a good start. And what he walks through in it is, here's what your rifle is, here's how to set it up, and here's a basic understanding of it. Uh, And anybody can buy and read that book. Where things start to get different is when you decide, okay, I think I understand the book. I'm gonna pick up my rifle, pick up my ammo, and I'm gonna go out to the range and I'm gonna lay down. That's when it's really good to have a friend or it's really good to show to show up to a match if you if you want to learn a whole lot about shooting long range really really quickly go find a PRS match um, because it's it's fun it's dynamic it'll be an inviting place for you uh, I think you'll learn more about the dynamic nature of long range there than you might necessarily at a at a, at a BR and F class match that is more fixed distance yeah um, that's the way that I learned the most and most quickly. I, I thought okay. I was cool so, watching so YouTube for and reading. for
0: people that don't know those acronyms... Sure. The would...
1: PRS is the Precision Rifle Series. Uh, it is the premier nationwide series for shooting in what is considered a practical tactical style. Some people used to call these sniper matches, but I, I to me a sniper match is more of a, a ruck field craft match that, that includes shooting but it is shooting steel targets at variable distances from variable positions. Sometimes you're prone, sometimes you're shooting off of rocks or other sort of natural environment. You might be shooting out of the window of a shoot house. Uh, It is a sport that a a precision rifle competition that emphasizes the dynamic application of long range um, principles. And, you know, you got to, you got to have the marksmanship to go with it. And you'll find You'll find one day matches all over the country. There are this is that the PR <clears throat> the PRS is a center fire series. Uh, there are also Rimfire series. You know, PRS has their Rimfire mm-hmm. series and then the NRL, the National Rifle League, also has a twenty two series that's, that's very large. Um, these are both great opportunities to start to learn what happens at distance with something that m- people might not think about with just a twenty two. It's it's inexpensive. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you can you can learn all the things with a 22 at 200 yards that you can learn with your 6.5 Creedmoor at a thousand. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a fun way to get into it.
0: Yeah. So so would that 22 be your recommendation on somebody that kind of wants to get started into this and doesn't it, have anything yet?
1: Yeah. If you don't have anything yet, a, a 22 is a great way to do it. Whether it's a the CZ 457 is a fabulous rifle um, and one that has sold exceptionally well recently as a, a precision 22. It's nice bolt action, it's mag fed. Um, people are are picking up and using the new Tika t one x, they're doing really well with that. Um, but if it's just a 1022, that's also totally fine, you know, find an accurate 22, put an optic on it, that gives you the ability to either dial on the turrets or use the the reticle to uh, to make adjustments to what's happening down range and go burn ammo. The beauty of a twenty-two is you're not going to burn up your barrel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a 50-count box of even premium twenty-two ammo is less than 10 bucks. So it's, it's an inexpensive way to go have a ton of fun, and you can plank, and you can shoot. You know, twenty does doesn't require really high-end steel, so inexpensive steel targets. Uh, you're going to learn a lot very quickly because the beauty of steel is you get an instant feedback loop. Uh, a, it's it's binary. You hit it or you didn't. Uh, and over time, you'll also be able to see on that steel where on the steel you hit because of the reactive nature of the target. So, twenty two is a great way to learn. Mm-hmm. Very
0: interesting. So, let's say somebody's picked up the necessary equipment for yep. it. Got their got their gun. Got a good high quality optic. Got some ammo. Like, how do you how do you start just dialing it in and understanding the the mathematics behind it?
1: Um, external ballistics is the study of what happens to a bullet from the time it leaves the muzzle to the time it reaches the target. So when it's inside the the rifle, you talk about internal ballistics, that's that's a big conversation for a different day when we want to talk about reloading and uh, about the idea of what happens when that combustion takes place. Terminal ballistics is a huge conversation in the hunting community and that's what happens when the bullet hits the target when you're shooting steel, it hits or it doesn't and it goes ping. But if you're if you're taking a shot on an animal, the idea of how much energy is left how that bullets going to react the, the terminal ballistic effects are very important. But external ballistics are really important to a long range shooter because you're going to learn over time that what happens between the rifle and the target is there there's a little bit there's a lot that you can understand. But there's also a little mystery because When you're shooting long range there's a lot of space a lot Mm -hmm. of things that happen there's a lot of a lot of air moving around you know the idea of a butterfly flaps its wings but um one of the really good ways to get started in understanding what happens when that bullet leaves your uh, your rifle is to understand the basics of what is what is bullet drop what affects it um you're going to see a lot of acronyms thrown around like Uh, BC, or which is ballistic coefficient. So that's how smoothly the bullet flies through the the air, you know, how resistant it is to the effects of drag and drop. Uh, You'll hear DA, which is density altitude, the the environment that you're shooting in matters. So if, if you're way up in elevation, you're you're in the mountains, you're taking a shot Mm -hmm. on an elk in the Rockies, your bullet will fly meaningfully different over time, relative to if you are uh, shooting in you know, southern Louisiana and you're on a deer hunt that's yep. at sea level in and a, and a very humid environment. You know, all of these things make a difference. So, so
0: you're telling me if I want to go on an elk hunt and I sight my rifle perfect here in Fargo, it's going to be off? When your in-
1: zero may be relatively close but what's going to happen between zero and 100 isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But the way that bullet falls from 100 to your target at 600 can matter now between 100 and 600 matters and then between 600 and 1100 it matters significantly more yeah Uh, because
0: everything is multiplied as the distance increases
1: sure everything becomes more dramatic and you know you're driving your car down the highway uh, and as the as the wind changes or the air changes the way your vehicle moves through the air it feels different to drive Mm -hmm. well that's going to happen to the bullet too so when you're flying through thinner air there's less drag and you know gravity makes the bullet fall at a constant rate but the speed of the bullet matters be, yeah. between your your muzzle and your target so um the level of knowledge that a person can get into an in external ballistics is enormous a great recommendation though you can get out your you can get out your phone you can download an app and you can get streelock or Uh, There, are now Hornady's got their Ford off, which is the four degrees of freedom uh, calculator applied ballistics has things like this, Uh, a good ballistic calculator. And these are either free or $20 phone apps, you know, pick your level of complexity and Mm -hmm. features that you would like inexpensive phone apps, that can start to help you build drop tables, or dope cards, Uh, dope is the acronym for data on previous engagements, but people will use their dope, you know, you'll see pictures of rifles with a, a grid, like a little Excel spreadsheet taped to the buttstock. Mm-hmm. You think, well, what's, what's this guy doing? Well, it's it's the idea that this rifle is going to have this much drop or this much fall off at X distance. Uh, so building a good dope card, you can do this. Uh, the The best way, I think, to start is by building a table, JB uh, you know, JBM ballistics on the on your computer on your browser or through one of these apps get a baseline for what should what should that rifle do and that's going to be dependent on your bullet so in general heavier bullets will fly flatter or will will, at the same speed a heavier bullet with a higher bc will fly straighter and fatter and flatter than a lighter bullet which is typically going to have a lower ballistic coefficient. So these mm-hmm. these really heavy bullets, you, if you're looking at Hornady 6.5 Creedmoor ammo, you might find some stuff where the projectile is 129 grains, other stuff where it's 140 grains, other stuff where it's 147 grains. And what you'll typically find is as those bullets become heavier, the ballistic coefficient of that bullet or the ability to move through the air without degradation of speed or... Uh, added wind deflection, you know, these higher, these heavier high BC bullets. um, You know, they're, they're in vogue now, but, and for very good reason, but understanding how your bullet and your rifle at the speed that you're shooting it is is going to react downrange is important. So get your rifle, build yourself a dope card in uh, using one of the free or inexpensive resources that are out there. And then there is no way to replicate the simple idea of go set up some targets and shoot and true up that data. Yeah, there's, there's no substitute to just getting out you, there. You gotta and go and do it. Fling in some lead. Yeah, uh, and the cool byproduct is a lot of fun, but the idea that you're gonna, you're gonna find out what, you're, what the bullet should do, what should happen downrange, and then you're gonna go out and verify it. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna learn, well, it was a little different. Why was it different? Well, you know, the, the speed of the bullet matters greatly So did you have good muzzle velocity? Was your zero actually good? Um, Your bullet might have a certain advertised ballistic coefficient. Maybe that lot of bullets is a little bit better or a little bit worse. Those things can start to really matter at distance. You know, when when I go shoot matches, something that has started happening is AB applied ballistics as the authority on external ballistics in the precision rifle world. They've got a fabulous uh, Doppler radar system. So you guys sell the lab radar, which mm-hmm. is the you know twelve inch orange box that that pings radar and tells you how fast a bullet or a, yeah. or a uh, you know a, an arrow from a from a bow is moving. Well, that's the consumer grade version. They have the uber professional grade version that's probably a fifty thousand dollar unit that they'll stand up behind people, and they'll even for for us that are competing let us build personalized drag models that we can upload to our handheld ballistic calculators that give us personalized ballistic coefficient based on the speed that our rifle is shooting, because that matters. Uh, The lot of bullets that we're shooting because it's manufacturing, everything's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, How much wear may be imparted on the bullets by our barrels and the condition that they're in. What twist rate our barrels are. You know, all of these things ultimately matter. Now, if they matter to an individual or not is quite variable. Um, but understanding exactly what's happening to our bullets when they leave the barrel is important. And the, the principles that we're applying to this or trying to figure out at the highest level of competition. These are all things that are ultimately trickling into super consumable things for an enthusiast, because... Mm-hmm if you're going to go on your phone and download the applied ballistics calculator, when you say that you're shooting, uh, you know, federal gold medal 65 Creedmoor with 140 grain uh, burgers in it, because they're gathering all this data from the field, they know that they've not just tested one or two batches of 140 burgers. But because of what they're doing in the field, they've they test they've tested a hundred batches of 140 burgers mm-hmm. across an enormous speed spectrum, an yeah. enormous spectrum you know of barrel that, life with and, a
0: greater sample size, yeah, greater accuracy,
1: exactly. Uh, and it, it's a it's a cool way that that I see what's happening at a at a competitive kind of super user level becoming something that's valuable to that person that's walking into a shields for a first time, grabbing a rifle, and saying. I want to go shoot far. I want to be able to hunt at a greater distance. I want my maximum effective range as a hunter not to be 200 yards with grandpa's 30 out 6, but I want to go kill that muley at 500 or 600. How do I learn to do it? How do I how do I get behind the gun in a manner that I can see that see that animal where it is, understand what's going on around me, make the adjustments that I need to do and make a shot that will at a very very high rate be not only successful but ethical um that's that's where long range goes for most people is mm-hmm. how do i how do i make that shot at greater distance um for some of us it becomes a, a sport or a competition or a hobby uh or even something that we do professionally yeah. uh, but for, for most others, people it it's, turns
0: into like a job and an obsession
1: the obsession thing happens really quickly Uh, it's it's it's, one of the problems with shooting long range is the the slope becomes very slippery the first time you pull a trigger at a distance that you can't think you could possibly hit that target Mm -hmm. and then you hear the ping that's pretty sweet
0: absolutely so
1: i mean i I think a lot of people
0: can wrap their head around elevation you know the up and down and where it starts to get a little confusing is, like, your windage, your side-to-side. Side. Can, you, can you walk through the variability in that and how to, like, bring your understanding to, like, an in-field application?
1: Um, so I will say something that most people who do a lot of shooting are also happy to say. If anybody ever tells you they actually know everything that's going on with wind— they're a dirty liar. But wind, <laughs> okay. wind, makes is, me feel better. Wind is such a difficult thing, and the problem with wind is it always changes. Mm-hmm. And the further you shoot, the more different wind conditions you're going to shoot through. So you're hunting that muley, and you're on a ridge top, and that the deer, deer that you, the mule deer that you're going to shoot on a different ridge, it's 450 yards away. There may be seven wind conditions between you and that deer, and what you're having to do is make assessments based on there's a bush over there that's kind of twitching. And that flower over there laid down a little bit. And I saw a bird take off into the wind this way. And understanding wind isn't just taking your kestrel, you know, your, your wind meter and holding it up where you are. Mm-hmm. It's having a baseline understanding of what's happening around you in a macro sense and then finding little micro clues between you and the target to try to isolate what that window may be. You know, in competitive shooting will create something called brackets on winds. So if I'm looking downrange, I don't just want to say it's six mile an hour because it's not. Uh, the wind changes mm-hmm. all the time. So I may create a bracket that says it's between four and seven mile an hour and look at my dope in that dis- at that distance and say, oh, well, that means it's going to be between three and five tenths of of a mil of wind hold so you know i can i can start to use my reticle uh, and know that if i make good trigger pulls then that bullet's going to land inside a inside a space you know i i'm creating what are my margins for error Uh, in hunting one of the the hard things to do is to understand what that margin for error is from a from an ethical allowable standpoint you know what is your what is your vital zone what is your kill zone on that animal and based on the size of that zone on that animal and the distance and the wind conditions if you can say i think the wind is between six and nine you might have a a kill zone you might be inside your your margin for error that if you make a good shot you're going to land inside the vital zone you're going to be able to make an ethical shot but if the wind is super variable or you're at a distance where that that margin for error becomes smaller and smaller because from a relative standpoint, that animal becomes smaller and smaller. Um, You know, understanding where those windows are gets important, but wind wind is something that is going to push your bullet and it's also going to change the direction that it's flying. So some people may think that wind is something that purely, it takes your bullet that's flying straight and just moves it over in space. The problem with wind, especially as you shoot further and further, it's, it's, an, it's a compounding effect. So yes, it is moving your bullet over, but it's also misdirecting your projectile. So it's changing the direction that it flies, and you get, you get an effect that compounds on itself. It, if you, you play golf, and you hit just a, a bad driver, and you got a big slice, mm-hmm. it doesn't just fly off at a 10-15 degree angle. It progressively gets worse. Yep. Uh that's something that happens with a bullet in wind too is is it starts moving off course and then it's not just the wind pushing it, but it's the wind misdirecting it. So um, the best advice that I can give on give on wind is just like drop, start working on and all of these ballistic calculators will also give you good wind data if you feed it any data. So if you say, What is my what is my dope? And the other tricky thing, wind also wreaks havoc with elevation. Um, because of what's called crosswind hop or uh, the Bernoulli effect, or eh, I think Bernoulli is the right one. Uh, whereas that bullet is spinning in a clockwise manner looking from the back, because most barrels are right twist. If you have a wind coming from the right relative to where you, your shooter position, your bullet will try to climb up the wind. Mm-hmm. And if the wind's coming from your left, your bullet will be pushed down by the wind. So wind also affects elevation, and that's something that a good ballistic calculator will tell you. Um, but knowing that at X range at 500 yards. A five mile an hour wind is going to do this, and a 10 mile an hour wind is going to do this. Those are good basics to to get a sense of. And you know, at it, some of those distances and speed, the idea of of crosswind hop or you know deflection don't matter so much. Um, but but understanding that at every distance with your with your drop card, having good data on what's going to happen in the wind is pretty important the hard part about the wind is truing up your wind calls Mm -hmm. because you don't actually know and you know you you go to a bench rest match and they've got flags every five feet so that they can see what's happening with the wind across the ground most people don't actually get that opportunity so yeah
0: especially if you're like out in the field hunting yeah so you're (laughs) you're not not not
1: using the real world to true up your data you're using the data and the feedback you get on target to true up your your ability to perceive what's happening downrange. Mm-hmm. Um, one good tip that was given to me and there's a ton more nuance to it, but it's it's worth a conversation is when you when you have to pick one wind speed or wind condition to build data off of the a generic rule is to try to figure out what's happening two thirds of the way to the target and for that to be the singular wind condition that you start to build your data from. Reason being, um, wind matters more as the bullet slows down. So the fastest the bullet will ever be is at the moment it, it leaves the barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't want to you, and so you, you want it to be slowing down, but you don't want to wait all the way until the target because at the target, the wind doesn't have any time to to cause you problems yeah so it's, the idea it's already caused your problems, right the, the game's over you know if you've got some odd wind condition there who cares the bullets it, it's over so the idea of figuring out what's happening at about that two-thirds point so half half to two-thirds that that back half mm-hmm. if you can make a really good guess on what's happening environmentally there and and pull in that data you're probably going to have more success than if you simply use where you're standing because what you feel on your face can be a liar, um, especially if you're shooting from, you know, you're, you're in a, a tree stand and you're looking out over, a, over an exposed field. Well, that exposed field is significantly different than sitting in a tree line.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So
1: what you feel is lying to you or it it can be deceiving you or giving you partial information, or you might get some weird directionality that comes from the wind coming up a tree line and wrapping. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Yeah, because a lot of times, like, if you're in a deer stand, you're sitting on an edge or, like, a pinch point or something, and that's naturally going to change your wind direction a little bit based off of, like, what's out in the middle of the field.
1: Yeah, so one of the cool things you talked about with your wife, she drew that tag before you did, uh, so you got to go out scouting. You went out with your bow. Understanding where you're going to hunt and where the cuts are. Uh, I've been in situations shooting matches, especially when you when you shoot, you know, big country, you know, up here out west, where there may be something happening because of a ridge line at five, six, eight hundred yards. That if you don't know your terrain, you couldn't pop. You you'd have no idea. You'd mm-hmm. miss a shot by a huge amount and not know why. Uh, a, A cool resource for things like this, Uh, if you you bow hunt, there's a, there's an app, I think it's called Windy, uh, that is the, it'll give you overhead maps of areas that have the prevailing winds, almost like little wind flags. Mm -hmm. A friend who's an archer, a bow hunter, showed it to me because he will use it when he's out in the woods stalking to try to stay on the right side of the wind from what he's stalking. You know, you don't, you don't want your scent to be carried to what yeah. you're hunting. So he would use the generic prevailing winds of geography to protect his scent, protect himself from being smelled. But what it can also do is identify some of these ways that wind move through cuts. And, you know, as, as air, think of, think of wind as a liquid flowing through something. You know, liquid and gas obviously have, some, have different characteristics, but they also have some that are the same if you were to make a little Play-Doh model of the area that you're going to hunt, and you have all the little crevices and all the little ridge lines and all the tree pockets, mm-hmm. and then from one side, you poured a bunch of water onto it, that water wouldn't simply go straight across. Yeah. It, it would move and do all these kind of things and ride up down ridges, and it, it would go up and down at some point. You know, people will, especially in big country, miss shots on elevation, because they don't understand that the wind is doing this up and down geography. Uh, So if, if you're shooting that mule deer that's on a different ridge, but you're shooting up a there's the idea of, you know, that shooting at elevation can change or shooting at an angle can change your elevation. But also if the wind is at your back, when that wind hits the, the face of that ridge that you're shooting up, it may lift that bullet. So understanding geography is a thing too uh when a, when a hunter is trying to or a competitive shooter is trying to take some of these things and, and apply them what, what is the ground doing to that wind what are the trees doing to that wind what's happening around you wind is the number one reason people miss shots Mm-hmm. Poor, poor marksmanship fundamentals I'll, I'll say are number one i mean you, yeah you got to be able to put the gun on target you got to be able to make good trigger pull you need good follow through you need to understand what's happening with your rifle but if you have that down if you're a guy that can that can sit you know on a bench or prone or practice the position you're going to be shooting from so if you're a stand hunter and you know that you've got a, a stand where you've got a bar right here get yourself a, a game changer and you know sit there and and practice on paper at 100 yards shooting from that position. Get really good at it. But let's say you got that nailed. If you know how to do that, the number one reason you're going to miss is going to be wind uh, because it's such a variable. It's so complicated. There's so much nuance to it. And there are so many ways that a shooter can be deceived by wind based on things that they either don't know, can't know, or haven't taken the time to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, I mean, living in Fargo, North Dakota, here, yep. like, it's flat as a pancake
1: yep. if, you, if you've never
0: been to Fargo. Um, how do I practice for stuff like that? Say I want to get myself comfortable in those, like, mountain situations. Is there a way to do that?
1: Go shoot in the mountains. Go sh- drive yeah. out to the mountains and but, go shoot. So, I, I brought up the idea of going and shooting matches. There was a match just this past weekend uh, in southwest Wyoming, just up from Salt Lake City. I shot it last year. Hornady puts it on. Uh, it's a match that is on this unbelievable piece of property. It's a it, it's a big ranch out there that I know Hornady's got a, a lease on, and they take part of their lease and donate it to this match. But you're shooting up up mountainsides, and you're shooting from one ridge to another. Mm. The best way to really become a well-versed shooter just go shoot a bunch man i mean it's it's difficult to learn those things what you can learn here is watching wind move around you know you have what i will call here easy wind now you have a lot of it which makes it difficult but when when you guys are out shooting if it's blowing it's fairly constant Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of stuff in the way you get a pretty solid sense of direction so if we've got a a 12 to 15 mile an hour wind coming from five o'clock, it's probably gonna be a 12 to 15 mile an hour wind coming from five o'clock for a little while. Mm -hmm. And we're not having to worry about when we shoot from flat empty space into more flat empty space if things change between here and there. So um, learning what wind does to a projectile is, this is a good environment for it because A, you have wind, some parts of the country don't get a lot of it. So being able to practice in wind at all is tough. but you guys have wind that's that's fairly shootable because of its consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, so go out, shoot, get comfortable, shoot in different directions. If there's a prevailing wind that is always from the west, wherever you are, try to find ways to shoot not only where that's a 9 o'clock crosswind, but can you change your shooting position and your target position where sometimes that's a, not a 9 o'clock but a 7 o'clock or an 11 o'clock? Or can you flip around and that be something coming from your right side and understanding that you have a full value wind when it's at 90, but when you move to, you know, 45 degrees coming in, that's not just because you've cut that angle in half, that's not a half value wind. that's a quarter, that's a, it's a much lower value wind. That's like a quarter value wind mm-hmm. uh, because of the way that, that wind interacts with that projectile. Um, so go out and do it is the only experience, yeah. the, the only thing you can really give. Uh, uh, Emil Praslik is a guy in the long range shooting community who there are videos out there of, of him explaining wind. Re- Emil has a, a great rich history of competitive shooting uh, and was um, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. Sorry, Emil. I, I, I believe he was uh, in charge of the AMU for uh, the army marksmanship unit for a period of time. Um, the man has forgotten more than all will know, but he, he has at various events, giving lessons, given lessons on, um, how to read wind and how to manage it and it comes down to you if you really want to be good at wind you need to be acutely understanding of what's happening around you and not not just the weatherman says it's blowing 10 mile an hour from the west um, but you know what, what's that bush over there doing what's that what's that flower over there doing how does that how does that matter between here and where I am and there's no replacement for reps on wind. I got a lot of reps. I'm still not good at wind. I don't know that there are enough to really be good at wind. Some guys are, and those are the guys that are, that are winning every weekend.
0: Yeah, just a, a ton of interesting stuff to, to think about when you're when you're doing long range. So, you did mention like one of the most important factors is obviously your form. Yep. So, what uh, what are some tips you have? Maybe do you have like a t- like a top five tips for 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 your form okay. and what to think about when you're shooting long range stuff?
1: Um, the first thing that I will tell you to do is don't only shoot from the bench or from prone, uh, especially if you're hunting or if you want to go compete. The number of shots that you take from non-prone positions, pretty high. You know, how often when you're out hunting mule deer, can you, can you actually lay down on level terrain and, and shoot some some pristine prone shot it doesn't that doesn't happen that's not real Mm -hmm. Uh, when when you're shooting in a match you you may shoot some stages prone but you're also going to shoot from something dynamic so if you really want to become good with the rifle become good with the rifle in less comfortable situations so the the first thing that i can encourage somebody to do is don't just shoot prone get off your belly get off your bench uh find a way to you know, lay that rifle across the back of your truck bed, or you know, shoot from the top of a fence post, or find some natural terrain in the V of a tree. You know, go. You if you are a fabulous prone shooter, but then go out somewhere and have to take a shot from the crook of a tree, and you've never done it before. The fact that you're a fabulous prone shooter becomes really, really unimportant because you're going to be out of your element. So, getting out of that comfort zone and finding a way to do things in more practical manners. That, that's the number one piece of advice I can give there. Um, the second one, do a whole lot of dry fire. You know, modern fire rifles are not going to be hurt by dry firing. And there used to be this piece of wisdom around that I don't, I don't feel too good about the idea that when you pull the trigger, it should surprise you. No, big no. Um, you should know exactly what that firearm is going to do when you pull the trigger. So the idea of, you know, get in a position behind your rifle, close your eyes, close the bolt, obviously make sure the rifle's unloaded and everything's safe. Um, Close the bolt, get your hand in position, and make that trigger pull. Um, Getting used to that feeling, getting used to that sensation, understanding how the mechanics work so that all of those things that when it's time to take a shot that need to take place, anything that can be muscle memory should be. Mm-hmm. So, how how is your shoulder on the gun? How's your how's your cheek on the gun? You know, where are your hands? What what's going on with your eyes? How do you? Well, how are the mechanics of closing the bolt? Checking your safety, um, pulling that trigger, all of those things that you can practice sitting in your living room, annoying your wife. Do it. Um, <laughs> th- those are reps that are they're free, uh, and they'll and they'll pay off. You wanted five. Let's see. What else can we get to here? Let's,
0: I want something on
1: breathing tips. Learn to control your breathing when things get, when things get feisty. Yeah. um, Shooting at the range or practicing can be very mellow. Got all the time in the world. There's nothing pressuring you. Nothing's on the line. You're just pulling the trigger and trying to hit a piece of steel. When you get to that point and you feel good, do some push-ups and do it again, and then, and then shoot. Or run 10 yards, turn around, run 10 yards back, and shoot again. Um, it's not maybe a popular thing to say, but if you want to be a good marksman, get in shape a little bit. You know, be, be able to understand what happens to your body when it gets worked up. Be able to manage your breathing when you're under stress. If, you've, if you're hunting that mule deer and you just walked up to the top of a ridge and you're gassed a little bit, But there she is beautiful four by four next next ridge over you got to be able to take a shot right Mm -hmm. but if you don't know how to take a shot when you're under some sort of physical stress you're not going to take a good shot so this goes to the that first principle of get off your belly it's get out of your comfort zone when you're practicing and shooting and this is something you can do with dry fire as well you know what is your body going to do from a mechanical standpoint when, you're, when your heart rate's up a little bit or your breathing rate's up a little bit. So um, practice practice what you're gonna go do, not just laying at a range, shooting paper at a hundred yards from prone or a bench. Uh, go, go practice that application and all the things you may run into. Matches are also good for this because when, when you're shooting a match, you're gonna get your rifle and all your gear and you're gonna get up to the line and get ready to start a stage. And there are a lot of things in your head you know where are all the targets what's my what's my dope got to be from target to target what what's the order of shooting what do the positions look like and then the range officer is going to look at you and say shooter do you understand the course of fire and you're excited you're going to say yes he's going to say all right shooter ready engage and he'll he'll hit the shot timer and this beep will go off and you've seen men in black and they have that little pen yeah with the will flash in your eyes and make you forget everything that you've seen that's what the shot timer does um and it creates a level of stress and panic that even as you get up there and you're ready to shoot you've got everything going on when that beep happens if you don't have a lot of reps and even if you do have a lot of reps everything starts to move a little different you get a a stress environment that's real and it's it's really terribly difficult to reproduce on your own Uh, and i know a lot of guys that have been avid long-range hunters that have gotten into the match scene and said, I'm, I'm a better hunter because I shoot matches. Because when it comes to shooting in that uncomfortable situation and making decisions on time, really hard to replicate that in a controlled setting. So a match is obviously a very controlled setting, but if you get your heart rate up and you've gotta make a decision on the clock and you've gotta think quickly, that's a great way to get in good practice for critical thinking when time matters You don't want to practice that when you're hunting, when it can cause you to not be able to get a good shot on an animal or to, worst case scenario, take a bad shot and and wound something. Um, Getting those stress reps is what we'll call them for here. Those those reps under stress, under duress, not comfortable on your belly. Uh, I, I can't stress enough the importance of if you really want to be good with your gun, Be good with with your gun in situations that are less sterile
0: Mm -hmm. makes sense so all right you you covered three really good tips and uh so i asked for five you got two more i want to talk about two products okay so area 419 what are what are your two favorite products that will that will help increase your effectiveness in the long range game
1: so what products should do is eliminate variables that can be eliminated. Um, If we had a product that would eliminate the wind variable, man, we'd sell a whole lot of them.
0: (laughs) You would be a rich, rich man. We we would
1: be quite wealthy, Um, (laughs) but outside of the goofy, like LIDAR style range finders that that say they can read the wind for you, which is, that's that's some deep stuff. the, the two products that, that we sell that really make a big difference for long-range shooters, one is a good muzzle device. Uh, our Hellfire muzzle brake has been immensely popular among competitive shooters, enthusiasts, hunters, because what a, what a muzzle brake's meant to do, uh, there are a lot of people that get upset saying, well, it's just a 6.5 Creedmoor. It ain't got no recoil. Well, it d- does. It, it mm-hmm. does. And a a good muzzle brake is not just about the idea of taking pressure off your shoulder. It's about allowing you to continue to gather downrange information after you pull the trigger. Um, And when you are, let's stay with hunting. If you're taking a shot and you pull the trigger and that gun jumps and you don't get to see what happens downrange, it may not hurt your shoulder, but if you don't have anything on the gun's going to move. Mm-hmm. When that gun jumps and you don't get to see what happens downrange, you don't know did did you hit that animal? Is it is it dead right there? Was it stop and flop? Did you miss and it ran off behind the ridge? Is it wounded? Which way did it go? Are you gonna be able to track? So the idea of a good muzzle device allowing you and if you missed altogether, where did you miss? Why did you miss? Did you miss high? Did you miss left? Did you right? Low? Like you need to know that because A, maybe you can get a second shot on that animal. Maybe they don't know what happened, but you saw the, the rock just to the left of the animal spark, uh, and that's where it went, so you can make that correction come over and, and then make a good ethical shot. Um, a good muzzle device is about controlling the rifle in a way that's going to give you more data downrange after you pull the trigger and allow you for more accountability of that projectile. As As shooters, one of our great responsibilities is to understand what happened when that bullet left the gun where where to go you know what happened are are we accountable for that projectile we are but we have to know where it went to truly be accountable for what happened so a good muzzle device makes makes shooting you know if you're laying behind a gun all day long more pleasant because you're not gonna you're not gonna eat that force but if you are if you're a hunter you're going to have a greater ability to gather information after you pull the trigger, so a good muzzle device is something that, that should be on a rifle. Another thing that has become really popular for us is our Arca Lock system, and you know this has become big enough that even big names like like Daniel Defense now has Arca Lock on their new Delta Five Pro. Um, Arca, in general, is the kind of broad term for an inch and a half wide, 45 degree dovetail rail that is becoming popular on the fore end of rifles. And the reason that that's popular is A, with your bipod, it gives you a lot of ju- adjustability up and down the fore end, but it also gives you the ability to drop into a tripod and hard lock in. Um, our Archilock rails are meant to be added to rifles that don't have this natively, uh, and the ability of a shooter to take their rifle, drop it into a tripod. Really right stuff is kind of the standard bearer for these tripods, but you've got a lot of other brands doing them. You know, Vortex just rolled mm-hmm. out a line of them. Uh, you guys carry Bogpod. I believe Bogpod now has an ARCA product. Yep. Uh, and then there, there are other really fast-growing brands. You know, I got a buddy at, at Two Vets Tripods. He's He's got some really good stuff that he's working on. ARCA tripods – have been around forever in the camera mm-hmm. world. Yeah, you, you know, look into the camera industry. They've and all been using it for a long time.
0: So, yeah. and you, you know, if you're, if you're shooting a camera at long distances, you need to be stable. It makes sense.
1: And there you need to have, have the right adjustability. In. So you yeah. need to be able to hard lock in and have some adjustability. Um, we started selling a lot of these actually to outfitters. So if you, if you are a, an outfitter or a guide What you really want at the end of the day is for the guy that comes and drops big money on that mule deer hunt. You didn't pull a tag, your wife did. You cannot be, she cannot be the only one in the household (laughs) that pulled the tag. So you're gonna go spend some money on a a mule deer hunt. Um, What that, uh, that guide really wants is for the people that are there to have a greater shot at a nicer animal with a higher rate of success and since most hunting is done from at least seated if not standing being able to lock a rifle into a tripod bank vault solid and take away a lot of those difficulties that may come from positional shooting it's more difficult to shoot standing than it is prone it's just how Mm -hmm. it is absolutely uh and and being able to use new equipment to the market to reduce the variable of that rifle wanting to move around when you're in a when you're in a less than ideal position uh it allows people to increase their maximum effective range by what can be a considerable amount pretty quickly. Uh, so if, if you're a, a hunter that understands that shooting sticks are better than nothing, but they're still pretty tough to shoot off of and, re- and really be solid when you start shooting at distance. Um, the idea of taking a rifle and putting down a, a sandbag on top of a fence post and shooting, that's cool too, but it can also be difficult. Like that's a skill you need to learn. The idea of being able to lock into a tripod, be solid and, and go is, it's easier to learn. It's more user friendly. It is, it's very solid. And it is a piece of gear or piece of kit that is very, very, very common. Almost, you know, it's everywhere in the, in the competitive community, but in the hunting community, it's really growing quickly. As people realize that it's it's not an easy button. There are no easy buttons, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a piece of equipment that can reduce a lot of variables that come with the idea of you got to have that rifle be still uh, and do it pretty simply, easy to install, easy to use, easy yep. to understand.
0: It just it makes a lot of sense, just becoming more efficient, especially if you're hunting out west. You know, mm-hmm. like you got you got your tripod that's got one of them arca plates. Like you can use it for your spotting scope and then you can take your spotting scope off and you can use it on your rifle. That means you're packing less, putting less weight on your back, Mm -hmm. reducing that stress level when you're walking over that hill and see that animal. So yeah, it it really just makes a lot of sense. And just, you know, removing one less variable that can affect your accuracy.
1: When you're behind the rifle and you're going to take a shot on an animal, you get a lot of things going through your head. The fewer things that can go through your head, the better. Um, Because at the end of the day, all I really want you to think about is, you know, you, you, you know, you've ranged that animal, you got out your laser rangefinder. you know that 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 animals 512 yards away, whatever it is, um, you know, that based on the dope card that you generated and then trued up back at the range, that you're going to have this much drop. You know that, you know, you can you can start to tell that your wind's going to be about this amount, you know, what size the vital region is on that animal you're really making all I want you to be thinking about is do I know enough to make this shot and should I because that that's the big question when you're a hunter is Mm -hmm. can I can I and should I pull the trigger here definitely two questions you
0: need to be thinking about and if those are
1: the only two questions that you have to worry about because you've been able to eliminate a lot of these other variables that's a good situation to be in
0: absolutely so you know what excellent information Craig. yeah man you you went through a lot of stuff it takes a little and there's bit there and there's so much more I yeah mean, I, I mean we've just hardly scratched the surface but the you know. beauty
1: of long range is that the rabbit hole is seemingly infinitely deep mm-hmm. uh, so you know if if you want something uh uh, uh something to get into a uh, a hobby a sport uh, a, a way of a discipline in shooting you can really go deep on and spend a lifetime learning about long range is absolutely one of those options
0: for sure ton of fun yeah man it's uh it you know it takes a while to learn takes probably a lifetime to perfect but you know you can have a you can have a lot of fun with it
1: it's a it's a gratifying thing it's a fun thing it's cool to be able to think about what we are capable of today that not very long ago would have been either impossible or much more difficult to do, mm-hmm. so I'm. I think it's cool. I love it. Obviously,
0: hundred percent. That's that's why you do what you do. Yeah, that's why absolutely. We're, that's why you're here this week. Yeah, man. So yeah, and
1: kudos to you guys for having having all of your your team together for Hunting University. I, we have, 220 dealers around the world. You know, we we, we work with a lot of organizations, and there is, that I know of, no other organization that makes the investment into employee training that the Shields organization makes. I was I was just talking to another dealer. I, I stopped and talked to somebody when I landed and was driving here and told them what I was going to do. And they were another dealer. They were competitive. Their their store is near one of your stores. And I said, look, I don't like to compliment anybody that we compete against, but what Shields does with training is unreal that the, they are the size they are you guys are at 26 stores or something now yeah we just announced two more so goodness send the pos you know <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah
0: we likely will
1: yeah you know at, at that number of stores for it to be a real in-person thing and not just a log on to the computer and watch videos and do quizzes that's tough it's expensive it's a commitment uh but it's one of the reasons that the shields organization is growing the way that it is because somebody can walk into one of your stores and know that you know the person walking around in the in the polo with the name tag is is more than just checking a box by the organization there's been an investment into this person when i go when I go to the gun counter and ask that guy a question the odds that they know more than what's on the tag it, it's real at a Shields. that's not real at a lot of other look loca- at a lot of other uh Especially as you as you get mm-hmm. larger organizations.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and yeah. and it is super important to us. I mean, when we train our experts, I mean, they, they're just going to be better equipped to help help the consumer who walks in get exactly what they need.
1: Yeah, and that's what matters. That's it. You, mm-hmm. It's not selling things for the sake of selling things. It's it's getting across the line on yeah, what do we have here that can make their life better in the most reasonable way, you know, and what what can they do like we want you to have
0: success out there yeah. and we also want you to share them with us on social media. I mean, we got to, <laughs> we got we got a thing called Trophy Tuesday every Tuesday. Trophy Tuesday? Sto- okay. Uh, every Tuesday on our stories. We are it's dedicated to customer photos, share their success with us. Well, that's
1: perfect. Yeah.
0: All right. So it's a lot of fun. So, I mean, we, we covered a ton of stuff. We talked about some products. So we're going to have, you know, as much of that as we can linked in the description of this podcast. So, you know, like if you jutted it down on a piece of paper when we talked about it, that's great. If not, we're, we're going to get that stuff linked below. So, Craig, thank you so much yeah, for your time for and me, for man. your information. I'm going to probably have to listen to this again just so I can remember all <laughs> that
1: stuff. So Sounds good, man. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you.